You're here this morning with Brad. If you haven't heard, the Breakfast Show studio is having some maintenance work done today. And that means we can't bring you a live show. So instead, we're sharing some of the new and upcoming stuff we're working on here at Faith FM. All right, coming up next, we have episode two of Christian Psychology 101 with Chapo and Patty. We haven't put this series to air just yet, so just like yesterday morning, you're getting an exclusive listen. Enjoy the program. Well, welcome back to Faith FM. You're here with Pastor Chapo, and I'm here with... Patty O'Neill. Patty O'Neill. Now, we've had you here before. Yes. Um, last time you were in, we spoke a bit about the psychology of fatherhood. Yep. And tell me a bit, again, about your, I guess, passion for psychology. I was a foster father. I've had lots of children. I've had six of my own children, two stepchildren. We decided to branch out. And with Nikki and I, my wife, have had over 40 foster children. Over 40. Yeah, it's impressive. And not just that, but you've also done some study. You've got some yep. some education in the yep. area of psychology. Uh, yep, I've done I've done, a, I've done a Bachelor of Psychological Science from the University of Newcastle, and I studied in Maastricht University in Holland on positive psychology. And then I did a paper at Avondale College on counselling. Okay, excellent. So last time we spoke, we were talking about the psychology of fatherhood, and something that came up in our conversation was the idea of values and how important it was to, as you're raising children, having a set of values that you live by that you also try to instill in those that are under your care. Can you just give us just a quick brief overview of what values are? To say the opposite, we have the Ten Commandments, which are a bunch of rules. Right. We have the traffic rules, and we got we're buying by traffic rules. Values are not rules. Values are a mindset of response. God asks us constantly to do good. What does good mean? Well, good comes from a set of values. Right. Okay. Excellent. And so values are like the behaviours yes. that... No, they result in behaviour. They result in behaviours. Yeah. Okay, right. Yeah. So, so one of my top primary value is kindness. Yes. And so when someone gets really miffed with me, I re- how am I going to be kind oh, to that person? Right. Yeah, yeah. and you're trying to bring your behaviours yeah. into harmony yeah. with the values, which yeah. are the things that you deem as Correct. incredibly essential. Oh, without a doubt. Without okay. a doubt. All right. So let's move on a bit. What I'd like to ask you is why should we set up Values. Why should we have a list of values ourselves? If you don't have a value, you're not going to respond quickly to that value. When something really negative happens to you, if you have a value that's associated with the negativity that's presented to you, you'll react in a certain way. Really good example for me was when I was younger, I played rugby and I have a violent temper to what I think is injustice. So okay. if the if the referee blows it up and I think it's wrong, off I go. The current rugby players are looking at a thing called the red head versus the blue head. Right. And best rugby players play with the blue head. They play in control, and I wished I'd had that value when right. I was playing rugby. I wouldn't have lost my So what's a red head? A red head's when you just totally lose it. Swear at the referee, swing punches. So be quick-tempered, yeah, quick exactly. to blow up, but yeah. having a blue head is... is uh Staying cool, calm, and collected. You have the plan. Yep. You've got to follow the plan. And regardless of what happens around you, right. you've got to so regardless the of the circumstances, yes. the environment, yep. this is who I am and yep. how I behave. Okay. That's the value. Right. Excellent. Well, what are some of the different types of motivation for developing yeah. values? Well, everything that we do in life, we're motivated by. And there was a bunch of guys called Decky and Ryan. 
and they did a uh, psychological theory called self-determination theory. And there are two types of motivation there, intrinsic and extrinsic. Okay. And extrinsic is like dad getting angry with you because you've done something wrong, you've stolen something. Yep. You're extrinsically motivated not to steal because you're going to get a spanking. Right. Okay. But if you have that as an intrinsic motivation, you won't steal because you'll hurt somebody. Okay, so it's a big difference. Oh, a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. And we as Christians should have intrinsic motivations of what Christ is because he was our role model. He loved us to death. Yeah. I can tell you my extrinsic motivation, the crucifixion, I'm down the road. I'm gone. But Christ's intrinsic motivation was to love us. Yeah. The big difference is, I guess, the motivation to want to do good yes. as opposed to the motivation of wanting to avoid punishment or, or well, pain. Yeah, well, yeah. that's uh, they talk about this in evolution. They talk about the desire to maintain safety. Right. Right. And I'm not going to put my head out in the cave, otherwise Tyrannosaurus Rex will bite my head off. Okay. Yeah, righto. That's yep. an extrinsic motivation. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I hear you. So, what got you interested in this area? So, the area of values, developing values. Foster children. Okay. When foster children come into my house, they came in with a completely different set of values. Right. They came in with a completely different culture. How was I going to teach them what Nikki's and my culture was? Yeah. And if I didn't have an easily understood set of values, they would have got around it. So we set up a bunch of rules, right? You're not allowed to steal. You're not allowed to do this. You've got to get up at 6 o'clock. You've got to walk the dogs, etc., etc. All of those are extrinsic rules. Yeah. But I found that we had one value that was a spiritual value that I didn't realize. And that value was the value of gratitude. Okay. Now, when one of the things that amazed me when I raised kids was how quickly boys would disregard the woman in the house, okay. especially when they were foster children. They come in from an environment where mother had failed them and father had definitely failed them. Father had definitely failed the mother. Right. Right, and they had no respect for my wife. Well, not in my household, dude. Yeah. You are able at any stage, if I ask you, to tell you why you're grateful that Nikki looks after you. Yeah. Now, we found that expanded completely into the whole of their life so that when they were in bad times, and these kids had depression, they had post-traumatic stress disorder. You would have that if you lost your mum. Yeah. Right? So these kids came in with that, and I'd say, what are you grateful for, son? Yeah. And then they would slowly change. Yeah. i go, oh, yeah, I'm staying with you and Nikki. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I guess for you, the interest in values was about, because I guess everyone has values. Oh, yeah. Whether positive or negative, yes. we all have values. Yes. We all have things that we feel are right and yes. the right way to live Absolutely. for better or for worse. Yep. But what a lot of people don't do is actually take the time to articulate them and define them. And I know from being a church pastor and, yeah. and from a leadership perspective, when we talk about values from that perspective, yes. one of the things that's often said is it has to be memorable, yes. easy to articulate, it has to be lived and yes. not just written down. Absolutely. So it has to be simple so that yep. people can clearly understand. Well and I guess for you, yep. taking on foster children, yep. they needed to be able to understand really quickly yes. what the values of Absolutely. this household were yep. so that it was clearly defined yep. simple yep. but they got what it was absolutely and, but I guess that applies to everyone oh because, without a doubt yeah without if you a doubt. don't take the time to identify what they are yep. and articulate them you don't have the ability to maybe what? tweak them or, yeah. or maximise them yeah okay well we're going to take a short break yep. but we'll be back and we'll continue this discussion on values very soon thank you
FM, you're here with Pastor Chapo and Patty O'Neill, and we've been having a discussion about the psychology of values, mm-hmm. and particularly we've been talking about how that affects the home, yes, and how having clear understanding of the values of a home is yeah. really important, particularly when raising kids or for your situation, bringing foster children into your home. Correct. So, what I want to ask you is from your experience, what would be maybe the consequences of values being broken or when values have not been respected or honored? 
and they've been trampled on, sure. what happens? In my particular situation, I had what was called the family meeting because I had lots of people involved, right? Okay. And I had my, my eldest son, James, and I had a friend of James, uh, Grant, who you know was part of the family meeting. Now, they looked after more values than rules, but rules were broken, and when rules are broken, we had to have consequences. When values were broken, they were more, they got right up everyone's nose because sure. it hurt the culture. So what I want to ask you next, Patty, is mm. what would be the consequences in your home of yep. values being broken? So when sure. you, you've made it clear yep. to your kids or your foster kids, this is the values of this home, yep. but they've gone against those and, yep. and acted in a way that is contrary to the values of the home. Sure. What, what happens next? When you set up a value and a rule, yep. you set what's considered in most counts, family counselling circles today as a boundary. Okay. And to that boundary, you'll have a consequence if it's broken, right? Yep. And that'll be whatever you decide it to be, okay? Yep. Whatever you decide it to be. But my counsel to parents right now is you have a consequence to you. If you set up a rule or a value uh, yep. and have a boundary and don't set the consequence when the rule or the value is broken, you'll destroy the rule and boundary. Okay. You must deliver. So be careful when you set a boundary. Yeah. Be careful when you set a consequence because you're going to have to deliver. You have no courage from my point of view. Yeah. You are weak and vacillating if you don't deliver the consequence. So if you set a boundary yep. and but you don't follow through with the consequence yep. for breaking the boundary, it yep. does more damage. And I guess it defeats the value because right. it, it makes it seem like the value has no You're no longer the leader. Yeah. The child becomes the leader. Okay. Right. All right, so always talk about values. What are some examples of value systems? Like for those who are still yep. trying to get their head around the idea of having a value system, where is somewhere where, that we see this? Two places that I found mine is the last six commandments of the Bible. Okay. The first four commandments are about love to God. The last six are about love to man. And Jesus says in Matthew 22, love your neighbor as yourself. That concludes your child. Right. Right. When you look at the Ten Commandments, there's three of them that are for children, which is honor your parents, don't steal, and don't lie. And then there are adult social consequences. Don't commit adultery, yep. don't murder, and then don't covet things. Right. I think they're adult versions. So you just take the first three if you've got children yep. and teach them that. Right. They're, they're good rules. Are they values? One of them is to me. One of them is honour your parents. That's a value. Right. Whereas, whereas uh, don't steal, don't lie, they're more rules. Don't lie, otherwise this is going to happen. Yeah. Don't steal, otherwise this is going to happen. Yeah. They're more rules. Well, I guess it could come from both ways. Like if your value is to not cause other people harm. Correct. Well, stealing then becomes one of the behaviours that line up with that value. If I don't want to yeah. have cause someone else pain or yeah. distress or... Yeah. yeah. And, and so That is covered by my primary rule. Stealing and lying yeah. is to be kind, but we'll get into that next. Yeah, 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 true. The next one was I studied psychology in Maastricht University and I learned about a professor called Professor Seligman. Oh, yeah, yeah. And what he did was... He wrote something on authentic happiness and learnt optimism, and you can find these character strengths online in the character strength survey, and it'll show you what you're good at and what you're bad at. But between these two areas, the last six commandments and these value constructs that were set up by Seligman, I was able to work out in my head what my value structure was. Okay, right. So it's like a combination yeah. of... Yeah, but you've got to study it. It's not It's not easy. Yeah. It'll cause you a lot of hard work. Yeah. 
where would be the best place to start? So if someone's saying, hey, I want to work on defining my own value system, where do they start? Look at what impresses you okay. about good people, about people that treat others well. Right. Obviously, Jesus Christ, I looked at deeply. You know, I look at Nelson Mandela. I looked at the Mahatma. How do these people relate to life and what impresses you about yeah, them? What is it about those people yeah. that make you see them as admirable? That's right. And then maybe those things are... Correct. Yeah, that you would Absolutely. make part of your value system. Yes. Yeah. yeah, okay. Very cool. So, I spoke briefly before about my experience with values yeah. from a leadership perspective and yeah. as a church pastor. And yeah. One of the things I spoke about was being clear, yeah. being easy to understand, yeah. easy to memorize. Yep. Do you think it's the same in the Absolutely. family situation? Absolutely. If you can't teach a three-year-old your values, you're not teaching even yourself. It's got to be quick. It's got to be absolutely clear. And people will look at that and go, yeah, that makes sense. Right. So when I did my study, I came up with four values. Okay. That covered the Ten Commandments, that covered uh, Seligman's character strengths. Four values. So we're about to hear it. This is your, this is Patty's number four values. Okay. I can teach my grandchildren and they can quote them back to me. Okay. That's why I like them. So the first one is be kind. Yes. Second one is show gratitude. Okay. Third one is Honour your parents. Okay. The fourth one is work hard. Okay. They're value systems. Yes. Right? reason why I chose be kind, Aesop said, who wrote the Aesop's fables, by the way, no act of kindness, no matter how small, is ever wasted. Okay. And you will feel good about yourself when you do something that's kind. You will also build your own self as a human being. There's a lady called Barbara Fredrickson who wrote the Broaden and Build Theory on positive emotions, and she asserts that daily experiences of positive emotions multiply over a period of time to build virtues within yourself. Okay. And being kind is one of those. Yeah, yeah. Next one is grateful. Cicero, now Greek guy, described gratitude as the greatest imperant of all values. In his paper, Gratitude and Wellbeing, Alex Wood suggests the benefits of gratitude could be considered as causal as opposed to correlational, Mm. which means if you are grateful, you are going to feel better. Your gratitude will make you feel better, he says. Okay. So if you want to feel good about yourself, start being grateful. Yeah, right. Right? So if I'm at a cricket ground at the SCG and New Zealand are playing Australia and I'm cheering for New Zealand yeah. and people give me a hard We're time. Booing you. Yeah, booing uh, it, yeah. I say, Get out of here. do you know why I love Australia? And they go, they, it stops them immediately because you guys are such fine people. Yeah. <laughs> Shuts them up immediately. Yeah. Works every time. Okay. So the next one is work hard. You know, good old Gary Player, the famous golfer, said, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Yeah. And that's the truth in life. If you want to get lucky in whatever you do, work hard at it. If it's worth it, work. One of the sad things about giving people a strong set of values is you're going to get rat bags out there that will undermine them, especially your children. Right. And the way the children can counter that and build their resilience and their self-efficacy is teaching them to work hard. Yeah, okay. And that counters the negativities that come from being too kind to someone or being too grateful to people that don't deserve it. Okay. 
And the final one is honour your parents. I've had a child, a foster child, that said, why should I value my mother when she treated me so badly? Yeah. And I said to them, it's for your sake that you honour your mother, not your mother's sake. Mm. You honour your mother because your children will honour you. And okay. I've seen that constantly. Right. One thing that destroys a parent is when their child undermines them. Okay. One thing that will lift a parent is when the child honours them. Right. Yeah. But you, it has to start with you. Yeah. As you said before, just thinking about, we're talking about the Ten Commandments and we're yeah. talking about stealing and how yeah. the, some of those things come under the banner of kindness, like That's you right. said. And all these values will have various behaviours yeah. that will either uphold that value yep. or destroy that Correct. value. And everything we do, we can think, how does what I'm doing right now yep. line up with yep. this value that I have to be grateful or to be kind? Yep. Or where is honour in the way that I'm behaving right now? Yep. And it, you, it's, yeah, the yep. way you intentionally live the way that you believe you should live. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've, it's, I find it sad when I see people undermining their parents. But the thing is, is as I've told you before, a biological parent has a connection that goes beyond all understanding in my book. Yeah. And when that is honoured, the child is lifted, the parent is lifted, even yeah. when there's a schism between them. Yeah. Well, we're just almost out of time here, Paddy. Is there yeah. any last words you want to share with us today? People have read um, on a great lady called Brene Brown. Yes. And Brene says this, people with the greatest empathy have boundaries of steel. These values that you have will have boundaries of steel associated with them. So, for instance, under kindness, I put, I look at adultery, for instance. You don't go there right. because you've got such a strong boundary and then you can build empathy from it. So if you want to be an empathetic person, have a strong value system. Okay, excellent. Well, thanks so much for coming in. You're welcome. Good to have you here again. And uh, thanks for listening to Faith FM. Amen. You just heard episode 2 of Christian Psychology 101 with Chapo and Paddy. What did you think? You can let us know on 1-800-FAITH-FM at faithfm.com.au or on the Faith FM Facebook page. You're here with Brad this morning. If you haven't heard, the Breakfast Show Studio is having some maintenance work done today, and that means we can't bring you the regular live show from Newcastle. So today I wanted to show you some of the new and upcoming stuff we're working on here at Faith FM. We're going to finish up today with a short episode of Ancient Mysteries Unearthed with Gary Webster. If you like, here we go, princes, priests, pyramids, pharaohs, and priceless Bible wisdom. I think you'll really like what your ears are about to perceive. Enjoy! talk about two of archaeology's most important discoveries. First, let's begin in Egypt, that magnificent land of the Nile. You know, for centuries, travellers had gazed at the magnificent pyramids and the mysterious temples. But no one could read the strange hieroglyphic writings on the walls of the tombs, the temples and the papyrus documents. Then in 1799, while Napoleon Bonaparte was in Egypt, his men discovered a very famous stone in the Delta region of Egypt. It's known today as the Rosetta Stone, and it can be seen in the British Museum in London. Now, you'll notice this stone is in three sections. The top is written in, in ancient Egyptian hieroglyphic writing. The middle section was then unknown. It's an ancient Egyptian cursive script known as Demotic. 
And then the bottom portion is in the ancient Greek language, which was known to the scholars. Now, scholars correctly guess that it was written, the same message was written in three different scripts. And thanks mainly to a brilliant Frenchman by the name of Jean-Francois Champollion, after some 20 years of working from the known Greek language, they were eventually able to decipher the ancient Egyptian hieroglyphic language. Now this meant that scholars were now able to read the strange hieroglyphic writing that was on the tombs and the temple walls and the ancient papyrus documents. And as a result, they could begin to understand the history, the culture, the religious beliefs of one of the greatest civilizations of the ancient world. Now the second of these two most important discoveries was made in Iran, the home of the once mighty powerful Persian Achaemenid Empire. High on this cliff above the ancient Silk Road, scholars discovered the famous Behistun inscription. It was made by Darius the Great between 522 and 486 BC sometime. Now this inscription includes three versions of the same message, written in three different cuneiform scripts, Old Persian, Elamite and Babylonian, which was a variety of the Akkadian language. Now the cuneiform was the script used by the peoples in ancient Mesopotamia. The Persians used it, the uh, Sumerians used it, the Babylonians. But until this time, the scholars couldn't read it. And thanks largely to the hard, painstaking work of a British soldier by the name of Henry Rawlinson, scholars were finally able to decipher this strange cuneiform script which now meant, of course, they could read thousands of clay tablets, like this one here, yeah, literally scores of these. And so they were able to understand the history, the religious beliefs, the practices and the customs and the cultures of the Mesopotamian peoples, which was regarded by many as the cradle of civilization. But not only were scholars able to unlock the history, culture and religious beliefs of both the Mesopotamians and the Egyptians now, but they opened the way for numerous unexpected discoveries that revealed the amazing historical accuracy of this book, which we call the Bible. You've probably seen it in the motel room or have one at home yourself. Now, let me share two examples, fascinating examples. Firstly, this black panel that we have here, which actually is part of a very large obelisk, about two meters high. It's a memorial stone. Now, you'll notice in this obelisk of Shalmaneser III, it's called, on this panel, there's the king of Assyria over here, and he ruled from 858 BC to 824 BC. But you'll notice a guy kneeling in front of Shalmaneser. Now, since scholars could now read the cuneiform text of the Assyrians down here, they were able to discover that this king was King Jehu of Israel. And he's mentioned many times in the Bible. For example, here's a passage from the book of Kings. Notice what it says here. The lookout reported, he has reached them, but he isn't coming back either. The driving is like that of Jehu, son of Nimshi. He drives like a maniac. 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 20. That guy must have driven his chariot like some young guys drive their cars today. Now the scholars began to realize when they read what the Bible said and compared it with the Assyrian uh, obelisk of Shalmaneser III, they could see that the Bible indeed was very historically accurate. Now here's another example. This one comes from, from Turkey. 
And here's a very interesting artifact that comes from Turkey and takes us to the world of the ancient Hittites. Now, the Bible mentions the Hittites about 40 times. Now, here's one example of where the Syrian enemies of Israel exclaim. Notice what they say here. Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. That's just one example from 2 Kings 7 verse 6. Now, if you go to the 1860s Encyclopedia Britannica, you'll only find about eight lines on the Hittites. And these pretty much come from the Bible because scholars couldn't find any mention of the Hittites outside of the Bible. And so for this reason, scholars and historians said, listen, the Bible is wrong. There was no such people called the Hittites. It's a Bible blunder, a Bible mistake, they said. However, when archaeologists began to excavate in Turkey, they discovered the Hittites were a mighty empire indeed. For example, here is Hattusa, the capital of the Hittites. It's a huge city. You need a bus to get around this place. Now you can see it has various gates, such as the Lion Gate. And nearby you can visit a Hittite temple area with one of their gods inscribed on the wall. And here's these cute little guys with their interesting looking little hats. So after the Egyptian hieroglyphic script was deciphered, one of the things they read was in the temple of Abu Simbel of Ramesses II. They discovered inside his temple this interesting inscription that depicts Ramesses II or Ramesses the Great fighting the Hittites. You can see his chariot there. In fact, if you go to the Istanbul Museum in Turkey, there's an interesting treaty. It's between the Hittites and the Egyptians. It's known as the Treaty between Hattusili III of the Hittites and Ramesses II. And it's written on cuneiform script, which now they could read. Now, scholars now know that the ancient Hittite Empire actually rivaled the Assyrians and the Egyptians. So they saw the Bible was correct. And now the historians had to rewrite their history books. So the deciphering of the Egyptian hieroglyphic writing and the Mesopotamian cuneiform led to discoveries that revealed the historical accuracy of this book, the Bible. You can trust this book. Hey, thanks for tuning in today for the breakfast show that isn't really the normal breakfast show. I'm Brad and I've really enjoyed hanging out with you both yesterday and this morning. Just so you know, next week the breakfast show will be back to normal, back to the actual breakfast show, I guess, once the maintenance work happening at the Newcastle Breakfast Show studio is finished. So, just this one last time, I want to invite you if you have any stories, ideas or feedback about Faith FM, how the station has impacted your life, or on any of the shows you like listening to, or even the ones you might not like listening to just as much. We're always open to feedback and improving what we do. So please give us a call on 1-800-FAITH-FM or you can contact us through our Faith FM Facebook page or on the website faithfm.com.au. This has been Brad for Faith FM. Thanks for listening, stay safe and have yourself not just a good day, but a great day. See ya! See ya!